Hello and welcome to episode 70 of the Books by Old Dead Guys podcast. I'm David. I'm Scott. That sounded very professional. Well done. <laughs> well, wow. Thank you, sir. Yeah, that was great. Uh, so we are moving through Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices by Thomas Brooks. Uh, and Scott, why don't you catch us up to where we've been here recently? Sure. Yeah. Well, just in case you're newer to our podcast, what we do is we walk through uh, a book by, well, an old dead guy, but particularly we have an affection for the Puritans here. And so right now our book is a book called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices by Thomas Brooks. It is, uh, I feel like we continuously comment about how much we've enjoyed this book. We've heard actually lots of good feedback from, from you all listening about how helpful this book has been. I think it's been by far the most practical thing we've done here so far because what Brooks is doing is he's giving us these different ways that he has seen in his life and ministry and through the word, uh, the enemy tempt and, uh, and destroy believers. And so he wants you to be aware of the, the tempter's tricks so that you can resist them. And so this particular section has been devices to draw the soul to sin. In other words, how does the evil one work to get us to sin and violate the law of God? And we are at device 12. In fact, I believe this is the last device of this particular section, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that's right. So we'll finish this one today, maybe, and then start a new one. Wow. So device 12, David. Device 12, to choose wicked company, to keep wicked society. And oh, the horrid impieties and wickedness that Satan hath drawn men to sin by moving them to sit and associate themselves with vain persons. Oh boy. Yes. yes. You become like the company you keep, in other words. Yes. Be careful like of the friends you make. Every parent of every teenager in all of history has had that conversation right there, mm. that you become like the company you keep. Mm-hmm. So remedy one, the first remedy against this device of Satan is to dwell till your hearts be affected upon those commands of God that do expressly require us to shun the society of the wicked. Ephesians 5.11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Proverbs 4, 14 through 16, enter not into the path of the wicked or and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it and pass away. And then he lists 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 and Proverbs 1, 10 through 15. Turn to these scriptures. And let your soul dwell upon them till a holy indignation be raised in your souls against fellowship with vain men. God will not take the wicked by the hand, as Job speaks. Why then should you? God's commands are not like those that are easily reversed, but they are like those of the Medes. They cannot be changed. If these commands... Be not now observed by thee, they will at last be witnesses against thee, and millstones to sink thee in that day that Christ shall judge thee. Wow. So first, the scriptures say you shouldn't do it. So in (laughs) other words, there's a lot of stern warnings about, you know, I think think of Psalm 1. He's got to refer to Psalm 1 later, Mm -hmm. right? How blessed is man who does not stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, right? Like there's this... There's this picture that the wise man 
does not spend his time associating with those people. Now, just to be clear, we're not talking about evangelism here. Yes. I mean, we're not talking about going out and engaging the unreached world with the gospel. We're not talking about going and finding someone who's living a vain and foolish life and telling them you're living a vain and foolish life and should yes. repent. What we're talking about is letting that person take a an unhealthy place in your heart, mm-hmm. uh, to have a a relationship with those people that affects you in ways that move you away from the scriptures, right? Yeah. So don't be friends with them, right? There's a, there's this, and even when we are friends with unbelievers, like it's a controversial topic. I'm not sure whether it should be or not, but a lot of people talk about whether or not you should be friends with unbelievers. Here's what I'll say at a minimum, you should not be friends with unbelievers in the same way that you are friends with believers. Hmm. There should be something different about the nature of that relationship. And what you call a friend may not be what Brooks is calling a friend, but what Brooks is saying is it's better to err on the side of caution. And I generally agree with him on that. Yeah. Fellowship and evangelism are not the same thing. That is, yes, and that's they, a good way of putting that. Yeah, they, you, you should look differently at relationships that are intended towards fellowship and relationships that are intended towards evangelism. Yes, that's and 100% if you, right. If you don't know... If you're in a relationship with someone and you don't know if this is a relationship for fellowship or a relationship for evangelism, it sounds as though you don't know if this person is in the Lord, Yeah, which is probably a question you should ask. And I would question how much of a relationship that is, too, right? Like, if you don't know whether this person is in Christ, well, there's an easy way to find that out. Yeah. Yeah. Ask them. Yeah. (laughs) Talk about spiritual things. All right, good. All right, so there we go. That's number one. Sorry about that. So remedy two, the second remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that their company is very infectious and dangerous, as is clear from the scripture above mentioned. Hmm. Ah, how many have lost their names and lost their estates and strength and God and heaven and souls by society with wicked men. As ye shun a stinking carcass, as the seamen shun sands and rocks and shoals, as ye shun those that have the plague sores running upon them, so you should shun the society of wicked men. As weeds endanger the corn, as bad humors endanger the blood, or as an infected house the neighborhood, so doth wicked company the soul. Hmm. Bias, a heathen man, being at sea in a great storm, and perceiving many wicked men in the ship calling upon the gods, Oh, said he, forbear prayer, hold your tongues. I would not have the gods take notice that you are here. They sure will drown us (laughs) as if they should. Ah, sirs, could a heathen see so much danger in the society of wicked men, and can you see none? Okay, so the reason we laughed at that is this: it's a it's a funny picture yeah. of this sailor who's out at sea, and and the the people on the boat are so wicked. Like I think pirates. I don't know why I immediately <laughs> think of pirates, but I immediately think of pirates because when we think of wicked sailors, that's what we think that's, of, right? That's what we go. And he and he realizes the wickedness of the men is so great, and he sees them praying because they're afraid. He's like, no, 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 stop praying <laughs> because if the gods see that you're here. Then, Surely they'll drown. Man, the boat's going down. And so, uh, anyway, that's like kind of funny. Maybe the gods won't notice over here if you just don't mention it to them. <laughs> okay, so it's and and Brooks so rarely uses any kind of humor, humor that it makes it even more funny. Yeah, but that the, the idea is that it's dangerous to be around. Well, those because the, the the standards of the of the people who don't love Jesus are fundamentally different than your standards, and you will. 
humanity generally defaults to the lowest common denominator, not the highest, right? So if my friends are holy and they love Jesus, well, then what that does is that encourages me to be holy and love Jesus. If my friends are not holy and do not love Jesus and they go do other things that I, then it's, it's this continual chipping away, wearing away of my resolve until very, it's, it's very likely that I will become like them and down to that denominator I go. Mm. So it's good. Remedy three, the third remedy against this device of Satan is to look always upon wicked men under those names and notions that the scripture doth set them out under. Mm. The scripture calls them lions for their fierceness and bears for their cruelty and dragons for their hideousness and dogs for their filthiness and wolves for their subtleness. The scripture styles them scorpions, vipers, thorns, briars, thistles, brambles, stubble, dirt, chaff, dust, dross, smoke, scum, as you may see in the margin. It is not safe to look upon wicked men under those names and notions that they set out themselves by, or that flatterers set them out by. This may delude the soul, but the looking upon them under those names and notions that the scripture sets them out by may preserve the soul from frequenting their company and delighting in their society. Do not tell me what this man calls them, or how such and such count them. But tell me, how doth the scripture call them? How doth the scripture count them? As Nabal's name was, so was his nature. And as wicked men's names are, so are their natures. You may know well enough what is what is within them by the apt names that the Holy Ghost hath given them. Hmm. So call a spade a spade, right? Yes. Don't soften the terms. Use the Bible's dictionary. Use yes. the Bible's definition for what these people are. Call a fool a fool. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And don't let don't let what they call themselves or what their flatterers call them convince you that they are something other than right. what the Scripture calls them. Right, because it's the Bible's labels that matter. Yes. Not really ours. Yes. Remedy four, the fourth remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that the society and company of wicked men have been a great grief and burden to those precious souls that were once glorious on earth and are now triumphing in heaven. Psalm 125 and 6, Woe is me that I sojourn in Meshesh that I dwell in the, kents, in the tents of Kedar. My soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. So Jeremiah, Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of wayfaring men, that I might leave my people and go f- from them, for they be all adulterers, an assembly of treacherous men. Jeremiah 9.2 So they vexed Lot's righteous soul by their filthy conversation. 2 Peter 2.7 They made his life a burden. They made death more desirable to him than life. Yea, they made his life a lingering death. Guilt or grief is all that good gracious souls get by conversing with wicked men. Yeah, so understand what you're getting if you choose to spend your time with these people, yes, right. If you hang out with death, you get death. It's the, 
it's I don't know if it's true or not. And the advent of the internet, I guess it'd be easy to find out that it, whether it was or not. But I've heard often about the um, the Roman punishment for murder. That what they would do is strap the dead body mm. of the person that you killed to you, and then you just have to wander around with it, so that eventually the rot and the 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 disease that was in that body would get in your body, and you would die as well. Mm. As a result of the person that you murdered. Yeah. Like, that's the picture here. You hang out with death, guess what you get? You get death. Hang out with misery, guess what you get? Misery. You get misery. And, and there's, and that's what he's, that's what he's warning us of is, you know, this is this, and this is not new. I mean, I think of, no. I think of Job, you know, like right in the middle of Job when he's finally just fed up and he says, miserable comforters all you guys are, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, you know, now, granted, Job really couldn't help it. Job has his own little ash heap, and these people come to him. It's not like he goes looking for them. That's where the, the metaphor breaks down. But the principle yeah. is the same. I mean, these people, they didn't make Job's life easier. No. Well, they made it harder. They didn't make it better. They made it worse, right? Because all they're doing is saying all this stuff that's just not true about God and Job and about his situation and giving him all kinds of horrible advice and... He just made him, it made life worse. So he, he talks about Lot, you know, that yeah. here's Lot, righteous Lot, as, as a Jude that calls him, is sitting right in the middle of, of Sodom. Well, I mean, nothing good's going to happen there. No. You know, and so, and, and you see that nothing good is going to happen there when the angels come and visit. And so I think the thing that amazes me the most, and the reason that I love the Puritans so much, you read the end of this second section, these devices, every single device, every single one, that Brooks has made reference to has had not just one scripture reference in it. Oh yeah. But I mean, multiples, he's just throwing Bible at you and all of them are meaningful. Mm-hmm. You know, the illustrations that he uses are biblical. Like there's, you know, if you're going to read Christian books that aren't the Bible, then you need to be reading Christian books that are full of Bible, Yes, you know, that are talking more about the truth of scripture and, and not substituting reading God's word for reading something else. And that's, and the Puritans, it's like they operate on that assumption. Mm-hmm. You know, they're putting these scripture references in here, not for their posterity. So when he's like, when he's like machine gunning, you know, Second Corinthians, Job, James, and he's like, yes. read this, read this, read this. Then the the expectation from Brooks uh-huh. is that when you get there, you're going to stop and go, oh, I, I should read this. Grab a Bible and let me see what this says. Yeah, yeah, and, and because at the end of the day, you know, what what Brooks wants us to get is the thing ultimately that keeps us. From falling prey to Satan's devices is the word. Mm-hmm. Really knowing, ingesting, consuming the word. And so because of that, everything everything is driven. I mean, we're 100 pages in. Yeah, Everything's been driven by the word. We got almost 200 pages to go. Let me tell you what I think is going to happen. Trend will continue. I believe the trend will continue. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, good section. Well, it's a, it's a momentous day for us next time, David, because we will start section Three indeed of three. of precious remedies, which will be really fun, and it is entitled "Satan's Devices to Keep Souls from Holy Duties, to Hinder Souls in Holy Services, and to Keep Them Off from Religious Performances." Because the oh. other thing that the Puritans do, mm-hmm. titles are very long. Titles are very descriptive and very descriptive. Yes. So we'll we'll talk a little bit more about exactly what we're reading when we get into this section next time. But friends, thank you so much for spending time listening to us read this book. Um, uh, we hope that it's been a good use of your time and that it's been an encouragement to you. We're thankful for you taking the time listening. And we ask that if you would, 
Would you share this with somebody who may benefit from just spending some time reading a book just like this one? We'll talk to you again soon. Goodbye.